Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I just want to, I want to, I thought about adding this, you know, last week, when we did the, when we had the conference, there was a moment, you know, we had the prophetic conference, and uh, who, who, would, who wants to prophesy? Come on, let me just see. Who wants to prophesy? Nobody. Who, okay. Who wants to move mountains? <laughs> yes. You know, who wants to heal the sick? Come on. I believe that it's impossible for any Christian to, to, to not have that desire. Who wants to forgive the people that offended them? <laughs> That's probably the hard thing. So we last week, actually, I said, okay, we're going to do something. Let's, first person that, that's, been, that's been making you like really upset and angry, if you think of his name, contact them, send them a word. And it's like, oh, no, we don't want to. And I think there's important elements in the church that we need to apply. Things like forgiveness. We all want to prophesy, but do you want to forgive? <laughs> we all want to heal the sick, but do you want to love your neighbor? Come on. So important things like that that we have to... We have to look into. But anyway, not going to be preaching about that. You can take your fences to Michael and Marina's house, and uh, they, they'll help you. Um, but I just felt like preaching the gospel today. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to preach on, you know, seven keys to success and to a, to a happy life. I want to preach the gospel. And uh, I've, I've spent the last six months, maybe the last year, just studying the Old Testament reading it, studying it, studying it, and it's incredibly, there's some powerful, powerful things in the Old Testament. But one thing that we don't, uh, we don't realize is that in the Old Testament, there's a veil there. There's a veil. And in the New Testament, there's the, there is the, what they call the apocalypse. And, uh, and unfortunately, apocalypse was, has been connected to a negative word. When you hear apocalypse, you think destruction and end of the world and it's all over and oh, the apocalypse is here. No, but in the New Testament, the, from, from the time that Jesus was crucified, there was the apocalypse. Okay? And apocalypse is like, it's, it's, it's the same word as an eclipse that's moving away and you get to see. It's the veil is lifted. And, and the word apocalypse means Revelation, revealing. Come on. So when I read the Old Testament, you, you might want to do it sometime. You'll find yourself extremely frustrated because it's like, God, what are you doing? And why is the New Testament so different from the Old Testament? And everything in the Old, if, if we don't see Jesus, if we don't see the Old reflected through Christ then we, it, it remains closed, it, it remains veiled, it remains eclipsed. But when we turn to Jesus, the, the veil is removed. Amen? All right, and we enter apocalypse. I just thought I'd throw that in. But uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And maybe you'll, you'll never, maybe you're sitting here today and you never hear someone preach or teach like I'm about to teach today. Um, but it's a good thing. So Paul writes, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, 
I did not come in superior eloquence or wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony of God. Beautiful. Okay, let's just hang, just uh, go back to, yeah, we're going to hang there. What did you proclaim? Come on, you're going to preach with me. You're going to help me. What did, what did Paul proclaim? The testimony or the testament. What is a testament? It's a will. Okay, so imagine somebody pitches up at your house and tells you that you've inherited a massive sum of money and a massive amount of land. He's going to come and declare the testament to you. And that's what Paul did. Paul came to proclaim something that, oh my goodness, there was an inheritance. My name was on the wall. But what does it help? You don't know it. Okay, what does it help? You don't know it. And, the, and you know, we can say things like, I'm blessed. Woo. What does that mean? Blessed with what? What are you blessed with? You know, are you just blessed with, yeah, I'm thankful for the, the three meals that I had and the roof that I slept under. I believe you can, you can count those blessings. But when it comes to certain things in the Spirit, we need to know what are we blessed with. Amen? I'm going to preach today. And you're gonna, we're going to go somewhere. Okay, so he says, I decided to be concerned, this is verse 2, about nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and crucified. Can you, Stefan is there, so can we put it on the Amplified Translation that you can see that? I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, after a powerful weekend like last weekend, and we're all running our race, and we're all like, you know, we want to prophesy, and we want to, we want to yeah, do incredible things. Even certain things like that can, can become a distraction, and we could be running. Before you know it, you're running, and you've, you've somehow missed the target. You've missed the purpose. You, you, we've gone now back to our, our workplaces and we, we're looking for the blessings. But some, there's like an important ingredient or something important that we've left out. And Paul says, it all comes down to this. I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I've come to declare the testimony to you. I've come to declare the gospel to you, the, the power of God to you today. Okay, and it's different. It doesn't sound like anything you've heard. Uh, next verse. I was with you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My conversation and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. This is beautiful. So that your faith would not be based on human wisdom but on the power of God. And I want to speak to you Christians and to believers. Can you make a distinguish? Can you discern between persuasive words or human wisdom and what is the power of God? What is words in the Spirit? Can, can you sit in, in, in the, this meeting today and be able to, to distinguish between uh, just, just information and get to a point of revelation? Today I won't be preaching to your head. I'm going to be preaching to your heart. 
Okay, and that's where the gospel comes and it saves you and restores you. It comes to your heart and you begin to see things in the spirit. So maybe let's start there and say, Lord Jesus, open my, the eyes of my understanding so that I may see, that I may know, okay, that I might understand this mystery. Amen? Oh, man. Anyway, you can, you can read this. And he goes on later and he says, I, my message was in demonstration of the spirit. He's not means, he doesn't, he's not means, he does not mean, yeah, he does not mean that uh, he was performing miracles, signs, and wonders. He's meaning that the words had, the substance was spirit. Amen? All right. So, I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The most important event in history was the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ. The cross of Christ. And, and I just want to say, it's not, not an empty cross. The power is not in an empty cross. You know, I know we wear the symbol of the, cro- of the cross. Um, and I think I'm not Roman Catholic. Um, but, you know, like a Roman Catholic, they have a Christ on a, on a cross. And in most churches, we have like an empty cross. And I think we miss a, a bit of the revelation there. Because the, G, Paul writes, I want to know, there's something about Christ being crucified that I want you to understand. And we try to run away from, oh, Christ was crucified. We try to run away from that. And it's like, can we just get to the resurrection? And God is like saying, no, there's, there is power in the crucified Christ. There is power with Christ on the cross, and there is power in the empty grave. So I preach an empty grave, but I also preach Christ crucified. And there's something that we need to understand there on the cross. What happened there? What was so important about that event? And uh, how does that change my life? So let's, let's read. Maybe I'm going to, I felt to. To, to read this again to you. I know we've, we've gone through this before, but let's read Psalm chapter 8. It's absolutely stunning. And I just want to say why I'm preaching this is because so that, that you can really see that Christ, that God, God is in charge. Woo! God is in charge. And, and every now and then, like every two years, you, you begin to see people start preaching fear, doom and gloom. Start preaching things like, oh, you know, um, Antichrist is, is coming and, and, you know, darkness is going to take over the world. And I, I get a little bit concerned because there are, there are the Christians and the believers, so many people know more about the Antichrist than what they know about Christ. They know more about the devil than what they know about Jesus. They know more about um, like a a disappearing church than what they know about an appearing church. It's concerning to me because if, if you read the scriptures and you see the emphasis placed on a victorious church, you'll understand that God is in charge. If you see the emphasis on the power that God has invested in the church, you'll begin to see the goodness, the power that's in us. We have the power to do something. And we're not headed for doom and gloom. And we are headed for, um, for, for glory, Amen. If we'll spend more of our time invested in the word, in the testimony of Jesus, and not fueling your life with fear, when the economy crashes, then we have to go find, you know, some kind of scripture 
in the Bible that, that foretells that the economy is going to crash and things are going to get worse. No, things are not going to get worse. The Bible speaks about the increase of his kingdom. There shall be no end. That means it's going to increase and increase and increase and get better and better and better. And he said in Isaiah, when darkness covers, you must arise and shine. Amen. Okay. All right. So let's go to, to Psalm 8 and let's, let's quickly read here. I love it that the, the amens are coming. Okay. Psalm 8. And let's read verse 4. Maybe, yeah. Of what importance is the human race that you should notice them? Of what importance is mankind that you should pay attention to them? You made them a little less than heavenly beings, and you've crowned mankind with honor and majesty. What does your Bible say? Does your Bible say glory and honor? You've crowned him with glory and honor. Look at the King James Version quickly. You've heard the scripture many times. What is man that you're mindful of him? And I remember my preaching is not in words of wisdom. My preaching is in a demonstration of the Spirit this morning. You, you've made him, man, a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. What does that mean? What does it mean where God says, I have crowned you with glory and honor? You know, like if you read that, does it, does it do anything in you? Probably not. It won't if you don't understand what that is. What is glory and honor? What is what is that? So, so let's connect it with what, what Moses said. He said, as surely as I live, God says, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. Wow, what a promise. What a promise. As surely as I live, God says, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. But this scripture goes on to say that you've crowned man with glory. If you read the first verse, he says, you've set your glory above the heavens. Um, uh, look at verse 1, uh, chapter 1. Oh Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. So it's almost like up, 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 <laughs> above the heavens. It's like it's almost unreachable. And now David writes, he says, what is man that you're mindful of him, that you've crowned him with glory? Wow. He brings his glory and he crowns you with glory. And he crowns you with honor. Amen. And you're going to understand in a, in, a, in a minute or two what that means. All right. And hopefully you'll get some, some zeal, some excitement from it. Okay. All right. You've crowned him with glory and honor. Let's go to Hebrews 2, Hebrews chapter 2. So that's why, again, I'm saying in this church, I know there's scriptures about an antichrist, but there's very few. There's very few scriptures about an antichrist. I know there's scriptures about the devil. I'm telling you, there are very few scriptures about the devil. Very, very few scriptures about the devil. But there is tons and tons of verses about Christ. So we don't preach a small Christ and a big antichrist here. We don't preach a, we don't preach a small 
God and a big devil here. We preach a big God and a defeated devil. We, we preach a big Christ and an overcome antichrist. Amen? And, and I want to speak to, to, to people today. You know, like, don't get a false sense of edification when something bad happens in the world. Oh, no, you know, uh, there was a bombing that happened. Yeah, yeah, this Dickens van you know, these things must happen. It's like, come on, like, it must cause a groaning in you. Say, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Surely the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. You know, speak back those promises, and we, we have to lay hold of what God wants to do on earth. Amen? Well, you'll see it. You'll see it. So he's crowned me with glory and honor. Come on, say, he's crowned me with glory. He's crowned me with honor. Okay. Wow, this is so good. And I've only been preaching for 10 minutes, huh? I've only been preaching for 10 minutes. Cohen is your for four and a half. Relax, guys. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Hebrews chapter 2. Father, give us revelation. Verse 5. He did not put the world to come about which we are speaking under the control of angels. I want to just add something. You know, like we say things like God is in control. I believe there's a truth to that. I don't believe God is in control. I believe God is in charge. And he's given you something called the spirit of self-control. <laughs> there's, there's, he's placed man, he's given man control on earth. And I know right now we don't see things. We see things in chaos. But God wants to do something through his church, through his people, that, that we can get really excited about. But we need to sober up. We need to get our minds braced for what he wants to do. So he says this world that we're speaking of, he did not give to the control of angels. Okay, well, who's he, who's he speaking about then? Okay, let's go to the next, to that verse, 6. Instead, someone testified somewhere, what is man that you think of him? Aha, so God wants to give man control. Amen? God wants to give you control. God wants to give his church control. It's a bit quiet in the, in the church this morning. What is man that you think of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him little lower than the angels for a little while. This is beautiful. Okay, I can't, I can't run ahead of myself. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. And you've put all things under his control. Wow, it's beautiful. So what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Okay. You've made him a little lower than the angels for a little while. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. Wow, you've put all things in, under his control. And that's, that's how to end. So, 
Now he says, he changes the psalm a little bit. He says, you've put him lower than the angels for a little while. Now, the old is veiled. In the new, it's revealed. So if I take Psalm chapter 8 and I read Psalm 8 only through that lens, it's, it remains veiled. I don't understand what he means by being be me, me, me. I don't understand what he means by me being crowned with glory and honor. But in the new, when I see Jesus, wow, it opens and it shows me something that God wants to do. Amen? So let's, let's read, carry on from there. You put all things under control. For when he put all things under control, he left nothing outside of his control. Whose control? Come on. Whose control are we speaking about? The angels? No. God's? No. What is the context? Man's control. Okay. Let's read again. Verse 8. You put all things under his control. For when he put all things under his control, he left nothing outside of control. But at present, we don't see all things under control. Or you can say man's control. But, verse 2. Ach, the next verse. Sorry, Stefan. Verse 9. But we see Jesus. Wow. We see Jesus. Paul said, I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is a problem when things are under control or out of control. Is that we lose focus. We don't, we lose the point of where we're supposed to be looking at. Uh, he says, we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Then we see Jesus who fulfilled the psalm. We see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while. It's beautiful. Now crowned with glory and honor, because why? Come on. Why was he crowned with glory and honor? Read. Because he suffered death. That by God's grace, he would experience death on behalf of everyone. Beautiful. Beautiful. Why was, okay, so let's just track back a little bit. Jesus was made lower than the angels for a little while. He took on our rank. He took on our um, appearance. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse, I think around about verse 6, he says, let the same mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So he was equal with God. Then it says, but he stripped himself from all privileges, stripped himself from all of that, and appeared in the guise of sinful flesh. He became like us. And that's when he, 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 he took on our nature, and he came lower than the angels. He came under the angels, and he became like us. I mean, if I see an angel, I don't know about you, I run. <laughs> I'm terrified. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll run. <laughs> Bruce, don't be afraid. <laughs> I will run. <laughs> I'll be like, but <laughs> I don't know why. That's always the worst thing. You know, they always come at, you see, like while, they, while someone is sleeping, you know, like 
if anyone wakes me up while I'm sleeping, I'm absolutely terrified. But like Anya, Bruce, what? <laughs> if it's an angel still, goodness. But, but that's how we understand ourselves. We understand ourselves as ranked under angels. But, but Jesus came under that, and he took on our, our appearance, and he was ranked under angels. And the scripture says that because he went through the cross, because of his obedience through it all, as a man, he's now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So he came out of the control of sinful flesh. As a man, he's glorified, he's honored. And I don't need to go through that process. Why? Because he experienced death on behalf of everyone. And that's the mystery of the psalm, the beauty of it. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him, that he's mindful of me? Come on, the, um, the son of man that you care for, for him. And he, and he begins to prophesy of Christ that God would become man and that he would take on my nature and he would take on my sufferings and he would take on my sin and he would take on my habits and he would take on of every imperfection that I have, and he would go, he would live a life that is sinless, and he would take on my death, and he would pay my price, and he would, because of his obedience, he would fulfill something that we couldn't, and because he became man, and he's now glorified, he shares his glory, he shares his honor with the church, and he gives freely what he paid for, freely what he paid for. So when God says he's crowned man with glory and honor, what is he saying? He's crowning you with everything that he's crowned Jesus with. And you're, this is what Paul said. I didn't come to tell you something in human wisdom. I didn't tell you, come to tell you something clever, you know, that will give you some vuma for the week. Make you feel better about what you did yesterday and the sin and the mistakes that you keep on making. You know, I remember going to church as a, as a kid and... Uh, um, and there was a moment in my life where I just gave my life to Jesus every Sunday, <laughs> just over and over. You know, the pastor said, you know, hey, if, if you have to die tonight, where are you going to go? And then I think, what's the ACDC song? <sighs> it's like, okay, goodness, I need to go give my life to Jesus. And I would co commit my life to the Lord again. And then in the week, I'd pick up some, some naughty do some naughty things, and before you know it, Sunday, I'm guilty again. Sunday, I'm like, oh, goodness, help me. Yeah, I know all of you guys listen to that ACDC song. That's why you are pointing a finger at me now. Anyway, he who points a finger, there is three fingers pointing back at you. Don't listen to ACDC, people. <laughs> But anyways, I would give my life to Jesus over and over and over because you think the guilt, I've got to attain it. Now I've got to get my righteousness back again. I've got to attain it. And then Jesus forgive me again. But when we realize that the cross of Christ was enough to forever secure your redemption, to forever secure your completion, yeah, you'll slip up and you'll say, sorry, Lord, and you'll repent at times, but you're whole in him. Amen? Oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. This is really good. I'm nearly done. But we see Jesus, verse 9. 
who was made lower than the angels for a little while. And he's now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by God's grace, he would experience death on behalf of everyone. It was fitting for him for whom and through whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, to make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Wow. I want to know nothing among you except Jesus and Him crucified. Are you familiar with the testimony of God? Are you familiar with what, what, what is you, by your inheritance this morning? Are you familiar with what God is doing there? So let's go. Um, we're nearly done. I want to read oh, just uh, Hebrews chapter 1 quick. Okay, we're going to close with just a few verses. But please stay, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. After God spoke long ago, this is verse 1, in various portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, in these last days, He has spoken to us in a Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He created the world, the sun is the radiance of his glory, the representation of his essence. He sustains all things by his powerful word. He upholds all things. And so when he had accomplished cleansing for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He became so far better than the angels as he has inherited a name superior to theirs. Don't you think that's beautiful? Did you, I hope you, you saw that. Um, that is verse 4. He says, thus he became far better than the angels. So he first took on a nature under angels, and he has inherited a name superior to theirs. What is the name? Can I tell you what that name is? For to which of the angels did God say, you are my son? <laughs> And this is the mystery of the gospel, which is so beautiful. What is a son of man? What is man that you are mindful of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels for a little while. This is the beautiful thing. But he says, because of Jesus' obedience, his will to go through the cross, to take on our nature, go through the cross, he, um, he was now crowned with glory and honor, we go back to verse 4. He became, verse 3, verse 3. From the B part there. And so when he had accomplished the cleansing for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And thus he became far superior to the angels. As he has inherited a name superior to theirs, even higher than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today, 
I have fathered you. What's beautiful, if you read Ephesians chapter 1, I think it's verse 6, it says, you've been accepted in the beloved. You've been accepted as those begotten of the Father. And that you have inherited a name that is even superior to angels. Because what does God tell you today? He says, you are my son. You are my daughter. You are divine. Amen? When the church, when the church grabs revelation like this and understands and fathoms, I'm telling you, we'll be unstoppable. I'm telling you, we'll be unstoppable. Let's quickly close in two, two verses, and this is what I want to I finish off on. So we're going to do Hebrews 12, and we'll finish with, uh, I think it's Galatians 5. The context of Hebrews 12 is so important because you need to read Hebrews 11 because he speaks of, of men and women of God that did incredible things through faith in God. Oh my goodness, there's so much that I didn't share. I'll have to carry on next week Sunday. He says, Therefore, verse 12, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race set out for us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I'm going to come back to this, but I want you to go to Galatians 5 or 7 quickly. Galatians 5 or 7. And I felt to share this. I hope everyone can hear me. Everyone here. Galatians 5 7 says, You were running well. Maybe that's a question to you today, church. Maybe you, yeah, just by, by chance. You know, maybe someone invited you to the baby dedication this morning. And maybe God is, is asking you this, this, this question this morning. You were running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? Who took you off, off course? What took you off course? What, what took you off of the race? You know, I didn't even get into how the, the glory and honor manifests in our life and how, how we ought to lay hold of that. But, but Paul writes to, to this Galatian church, he says, you were running well. You know, what hindered you? You know, you, you had a race of, of people around you, a great cloud of witnesses around you, and you were running, you had your eyes on Jesus. What hindered you? Was it the offense? You know, maybe was it a sermon? Was it a habit you got caught back into? What, what was it that took you off of course? What was it that took you off course? Where do you get distracted from the most important thing, the most important thing that could possibly, that there could possibly be? Is Jesus, the price he paid for you, 
and the calling he has for you. You were running well. What hindered you? In Hebrews 12, he says, let's go back there. He says, let's read it, the first verse again. Since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, and I felt like saying this as well. We had a, a baby dedication this morning. And I was just reminded about the time where we, we lost our, our baby just before Josh came. And uh, I remember the, the pain of that moment and just wondering, like, Lord, you saw the irony of, wow, we had this promise of a child and we lost, we lost this child. And uh, I remember, actually, it was Bobby I spoke to. And he helped me. He said, brother, and for those who know some of his testimony, you'll know why he said this. He said, use that pain as reason to, to really live. Use that pain to run a race that is, that is like payback on the devil, payback for everything that was lost. Do twice as much good as, as what the pain has brought you. Use it for good. Don't use it to back off. Don't use it to stop running your race. Don't use the pain to give up. Don't use the pain to slack off. Rather take all those things, all those reasons that you feel like I'm not going to commit and use it as fuel to run your race, to believe, to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of your, of your life for. Amen? Amen. And I want to I wanna preach a message like this, like unapologetically. It might be so different. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and thinking, like, oh, this is, I don't even understand a word that you're saying. But the truth is that there's an inheritance that he speaks of that is, that is beyond what man can even fathom. And it's embodied in Christ Jesus. It's embodied in his personality, in his being. And he says, I want you to have it. I don't want to have my glory just for me. I want to share it with you. I want to give it to you. Everything that I have, I want you to have. Amen? It's got to stir something in you and in us this morning. And he says, you did run well. He says, we must get rid of every weight um, and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race set out for us keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And I'll never forget that the moment, the day that I was taught to run a race, I don't know about you, but the day I was taught to run a race, they told, they told us to look to get your mom or your dad at the end of the line. And you run towards your mom. You run towards your dad. Because they said the moment you look left or right, have you ever seen a kid run, run a race when he learned to run a race? The moment they take their eyes off, they're running this way. And then they're running that way. You know, and then you see people running behind them to get them back on course and back on track. The key is look in front of you. Look to, look to Jesus. See him in front of you. You know, yeah, goodness, if the, if the work, if the finances is bad, get your eyes on Jesus. If, if relationships went off, get your eyes on Jesus. Run your race towards Him. Use everything in your life. Feel it through Him. And that's how you run. 
That's how you run. That's how you run. So you live a life that's fulfilled, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Ask God, Lord, open my eyes for, for the truth of your word. Let me value these words, the words of life, the testimony of God, the testimony that came with the, the cross of Jesus. You can put on some music and then I'm going to lead us in a, in a prayer this morning. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I pray right now that 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 we'll be forgiven with times where we've glorified situations, newspapers. Articles, reports, negative reports, doctors' reports, reports on the, on the economy, where we've been more mindful about what the devil is doing and where our minds have wavered off from what you have done and what you have said and the inheritance that we as believers in Jesus can have and can walk in. I pray for new zeal in each one right now. I pray for um, what your word says in Ephesians, that we'll be infused with power in the inner man, that we will know the hope to which we are called, that we'll know the work that is in us, the same work that that was applied in Christ when you raised him from the dead. It's at work in us. It's at work in us. And it's beyond what we can think, what we can dream of, and what we could imagine. I'm praying right now for those of you sitting in this church who've become good teachers, who know the word, but you're not running your race, who know the promises, but you're not contending for it. I'm praying for for you that you'll be dusted off from every excuse not to run, dusted off from every disappointment, from every moment where it didn't work out. I'm praying for you today to apply the, the promise, the word of God will wash you, will wash you. Those of you in, in this place, just put the music a bit louder, please. Thank you. Those, those of you in this place who just need to, to be refreshed, who just feel that you are just tired, that you'll mount up on wings like eagles, that you'll be lifted up, that you'll run now and not grow weary. not be tired, not be faint, that you'll have a new spring in your step. In Jesus' name, Father, help us be mindful of the testimony of Jesus. Help us be mindful of the inheritance that has come because of the cross, because your son paid. It is not right if we live a life void of that testament. 
void of the knowledge of what we can have and what we can walk in. Father, fill our minds with the Word. Fill our minds and our hearts with Your promises. Help us dedicate our lives to that. Like, like David said, those who love and delight in the law, in the principles of the Word, will be like a tree firmly planted. In Jesus' name, I thank you for fruit in our lives. Thank you for your hand over our lives. And I thank you that a light is shining, the true light, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Christ in and among us, Christ before us, Christ behind us. You said your glory would, would, would be our rear guard. And that as we run, woo, things are happening. Things are happening. So Father, I thank you again that because they are here, the city is blessed. Because they are here, because they're alive and because you're in them, their families are blessed. Their businesses are blessed. And we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on, I'm just going to give a moment. If you'd like to just re recommit your life to Jesus, we're going to pray it together. I'm not going to make a show of it. I'm gonna, we can all pray it. Just pray with me. Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me. Make me new. Make me whole. Give me a new start. Amen. Well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed. Thank you.